Isaiah 9, 6 has been our theme for this entire month, and we're coming up on the very day that we've been preparing for. And it simply says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is given. Last week we talked about the scripture in the book of Revelation that called Jesus the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. Dottie Rambo wrote the great Christian song that said his steps did not begin at Bethlehem. They did not end at Calvary. The Bible said that his goings have been from eternity. Jesus didn't just show up on that Christmas morning. He was there at creation. For the Bible said in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. And we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. And the Bible continues that theme and those thoughts in the Gospel of John. Jesus coming. And it said without Him in the 14th verse of 1 John, there was nothing made that was made. That means He was there at creation. So He was very God and He was very man. That's the wonder of it all. The Bible said that His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. These shall be His royal titles as one uh, Bible uh, scholar teaches that. And I think that's a very good teaching because His name to reveal God incarnate shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen. But His royal titles, what is really embodied in that name, Jesus, Hum, Jesus, Jesu, Jesus, the embodiment of that name. He, he is the, the fullness. In Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's why the baby that was born in Bethlehem has the title of Everlasting Father. Because the fullness of the Godhead, this is the mystery, and great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Seen of angels, declared and preached unto men. Hallelujah. God with us. This is the incredible miracle and mystery of Christmas. Both the mystery and the majesty is that God is with us. And the, the good news is He's not only with us. If you receive Christ as your Savior, He's for us. And the Scripture is very clear. What more shall we say to these things? It's the end of every argument, every enemy, every foe, every accusation of the devil. How shall we respond? Because you will never be sinlessly perfect to where the devil won't find something to accuse you with. Amen? You're human. How many human beings do we have in here? Almost 100%. Almost. We never get 100%, but we, we're working toward that end. Some people haven't realized their humanity yet. Uh, there's a few super saints that feel like they're above all of that. 
And there's a few sub-saints that feel like they, they don't even come up to that level. The devil wants you to either think more highly of yourself than you ought, or he wants you to think that you are the least in the kingdom of God and you are worthless to God. And I'm going to tell you something. He's wrong on both counts. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The Bible speaks of Jesus as being the Son of Man. Speaks of Jesus as being the Son of God. And the scripture speaks of him as being from everlasting. So Jesus is the everlasting father. He is the mighty God. He's the mighty God. He took on flesh. He condescended. But he never lost his divinity when he did that. He's still the mighty God, the everlasting. Isn't it incredible that he has these titles? Now, to those of you that have lost your joy, I can tell you where to find it. Because you need to know where it is. Amen. It's not in having everybody embrace you. It's not in having everybody love you. If you're looking for that, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know what the Bible said? It said, cease from man whose breath is in his nostrils. Some trust in Harriet's. Harriet's. We don't have any Harriet's here, do we? It's those rose-colored glasses that's throwing me off. On, uh, come on, you've got to help me today, my brother. I'm going to need some help. I went to night school and graduated my last year at night school because I got married at 16 years old. And uh, I do not recommend that to anyone. We had it tough. Don't do it. <laughs> How old are you now? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. Can you imagine? My wife was 14. I was 16. What were we thinking? <laughs> we had it rough. Thank God he saved us and helped us out when he did. Praise God. God has been good to us. Been married now for 50 Five years this coming anniversary in, in May the 18th. God has been good to us. Glory to God. Got the same woman. She got the same man. Hallelujah. God is good. I'm so glad for the theme of this Christmas season. Who am I? The songwriter says that a king would bleed and die for. Who am I? That he would say, not my will, thine for. Beyond that, it really doesn't do true justice. Yes, he's king of kings, lord of lords, king of angels, king of our hearts. But he wasn't just a king. He was God incarnate. To help understand that the Bible said to wit, God was in Jesus Christ. Redeeming the world unto himself. God was in. In him dwelt all the fullness. Everybody say all the fullness. That's why Jesus was called everlasting father. And yet he became subordinate to the father. When he took on flesh. Though he thought it not robbery to be called what? Equal with God. The second person of the Godhead of the Trinity. He thought it not robbery to be called equal with God. 
But he took on himself, became subordinate in his role, in his example to us, the form of a servant. And was obedient and humbled himself and took on himself. Can you imagine the the humbling of himself to take on that role when he was the creator of heaven and earth and he was there at creation? Go back to Genesis, let us, plural, create man in our plural own image. Where's the Holy Spirit in that? He's brooding over this vast nothingness waiting on a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. But brooding means he wants to work. I've got to bring some other message into this than just the Christmas alone. God wants to work this coming year. The Holy Ghost is brooding over the church. Amen. Wanting to bring forth something according to the will of God and the word of God and the purpose of God and the power of God. And when God speaks it, he causes it to manifest. God said, let there be light and there was light. That brooding over, that he brooded over, he's, he's literally was like a, a hen setting on eggs, waiting for them to hatch and keeping them warm and safe until that life could come forth. The Holy Ghost brooded over this vast nothingness until God spoke. But when he spoke, the mighty Spirit of God moved. Hallelujah. And I believe God is speaking to this generation of Christians and believers. I believe that the Holy Ghost is brooding over people right in this room. He would love you to be filled with and controlled by himself and not by the flesh and not by the culture and not by the influence of the world but by the holy spirit of god hallelujah everywhere that it says filled with the holy ghost everywhere without exception it would read this way in the actual greek it would connotate this filled with and controlled by i don't care how many times you can say come tie my bow tie in a row That means I'm not putting down tongues or belittling tongues. I'm saying, amen, that God wants control of more than your tongue. God wants control of your thinking. God wants control of your life. He wants to control. He wants control of your choices. He won't make them for you, but he wants to be the primary influence when you make a choice. And everybody's going to go out of here and choose. Some of you are going to choose to go right back into the world. And follow the world. Everyone is not going to follow Jesus. You can be raised in church, raised in Sunday school, but a day will come when you have to choose. Somebody say, Brother Venable, am I going to have to give up my flaky friends if I become a Christian? No. Become a Christian, choose to follow Jesus, and they'll give you up. Will you lose them? Undoubtedly, you probably will lose some. But you might win some of them to Christ if you show them that what you have is a far better life than the life that they're living. Amen. I used to drink. Christmas was an opportunity. Anything was an opportunity. I used to go to the ABC liquor store on my break from Winn-Dixie Warehouse. (laughs) I used to go to the Pizza Hut on break because they served a pitcher of beer 
and me and a friend of mine were sitting there one night, and uh, we were, you know, drinking and eating pizza, and we were drinking, going to go back to work. And our foreman didn't mind because he was an alcoholic, so it didn't bother him at all. Honestly, it didn't bother him at all. So we're sitting in the Pizza Hut on Hillsborough Avenue, and a family came in with their children to eat pizza. You know, it's 8 o'clock in the evening. They're coming to eat pizza. And my friend had had, you know, so much alcohol at that point because he went there to drink, not to eat pizza. And he's, <laughs> he's bringing another pitcher, and he's downing them one after the other. And his brand was Michelob. And uh, we knew it was time to go when he said, Hey, bring me another Michelob. So once he began to call Michelob Michelob, I knew he was, and he was driving. He was driving a goat. You don't know what, not a real goat, not a furry goat. That, that was the GTO car back then. They called it the goat. Had a big V8, strong, powerful engine, and he put the pedal to the metal because we were always running late getting back to the job. And, and then he did something that I knew he was over the line. You know what he did? He looked over at that family and he said, why are they bringing kids in a place like this? And I thought, this is not a bar. This is Pizza Hut. This is not where you come to get drunk. This is come to where you come to buy pizza. And I said, let's go. Let's just go. He said, but we got some beer left. I said, I don't care. Let's go. I want to get back in one piece. You see, people see Christians and they think they have always been these people that don't have some kind of past. Honey, I've been there. I know what the world has to offer. I've tasted what sin can give. And I'm going to tell you something. Amen. Having been there, this is so much better. I'm so glad I don't have to get numb to life to enjoy my life. Can you say amen? I'm so glad I don't have to get inebriated to deal with the problems and pressures of life. I'm glad Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I'm glad when peace rules and reigns in your heart and then it begins to rule and reign in your mind. Hallelujah. There's nothing like it in all of this world. There's no pill, no synthetic that can give you peace. It can numb you. Some antidepressants will certainly make you not feel bad. But in the process, they won't let you feel good. They won't let you feel. They won't let you cry. Sometimes, you know, weeping is okay. It's like a relief valve. I, I hate to be at a funeral and, and somebody say, well, they're, be they're in a better place. Well, you're not weeping for them being in a better place. You're weeping because they're not here with us. Weeping lasts for a night. Shortest scripture in the New Testament is at the tomb of Lazarus before Jesus raised him. And it said Jesus wept. And he went there specifically to raise him from the dead. Well, why was he weeping? Because he saw the heartache. He saw the heartbreak. He saw the pain in, in the sisters that had lost their brother. And he saw what the fall had brought, and he felt what we feel. And that's what I love about Jesus. 
The Bible said we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our hurts, our pains, our pressures, our heartache, our heartbreak, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are. Not just tempted to commit a sin, but tempted to, to, to be hopeless as we feel helpless. He felt all of those things. He, he felt it on the cross. He didn't die using His divinity on the cross. He died as a man forsaken of God. He cried on the cross, I thirst. So there was no shielding Him from all of the agony, all of the pain. But the worst cry wasn't, I thirst. The worst cry was, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which being interpreted as, my God, Eloi, my God, Eloi. Lama Sabachthani, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? In Pilate's hall, he had the comfort of the Father's presence. But on the cross, he died as a man forsaken of God, fulfilling the prophecy. When we saw him, there was nothing that we should desire him. We considered him. Smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. But surely he bore our griefs. That's why he paid a big price for you to have peace. It would be a shame for you not to look to him for it. He paid a mighty price for you to have joy. It would be a shame for him to suffer to give you peace and to give you joy. And you not to trust him enough to receive it. I'm going to tell you, if you're straddling the fence this morning, you're under heavy Holy Ghost conviction. So unstraddle. Who's on the Lord's side among you? Make a real commitment to Jesus. I see Christians all, all the time that look like they lost everything that's worth celebrating in life. And I'm wondering, Why? I understand pressure. My son died October 1st, 53 years old. I understand pain and loss. I've walked through the dark valley of nervous exhaustion. And I didn't, there were times I honestly didn't think I would make it through. I thought God would just take me on home. And there was times that I would have been glad to go. I lost my joy. I lost my peace. But I've got good news for you. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that God can't fix in you and in me. Nothing, 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 nothing is impossible with God. And Jesus said it clearly. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I you. And the Bible speaks of God the Father as being the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our tribulations. The Holy Spirit is sent from Him specifically. And He's titled the Comforter. Can you say amen? The Greek word is paraclete. And it's one that stands in behalf of another. When I fall down, He stands up. Hallelujah. When I fall down, Jesus stands up. 
first Christian martyr saw heaven opened as they were stoning him to death. And he said, I see Jesus not seated by the way Jesus said. As far as the eternal purpose of God is concerned, amen, I'm going to, I have sat down. When he said it's finished on the cross, it was done. <laughs> it's done eternally. He said, I'm going to sit down until my enemies be made my footstool. And you know who's going to do that? Since he's sitting down on the throne, amen, he's delegated that authority to you and that authority to me. The Antichrist would come right now if he could. Satan is impatient to bring his man of sin on the scene. But he can't do it yet. He cannot do it yet. He cannot do it yet. That man of sin can't be manifest until he that will let is taken out of the way. This is not God deciding to not let. This is those that he delegated his power and authority to. Amen. We are. We. That's why the devil wants to keep you and I depressed, distracted, defrauded of the authority that is ours in Jesus Christ because we are in the kingdom for a time such as this. There's a day coming when the trump is going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise and we which are living are going to be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And the day that that comes, he that letteth is taken out of the way. And when that barrier is removed, because, why? Because Jesus said, behold, I give you, every one of you that are believers today, hand me power over all the power of the evil one. Make no mistake about it. You don't just have power. You have authority to use the name of Jesus to do the will of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The church is weak and anemic, sick and staggering because she lives beneath her privilege of power. And we subsidize the lack of presence and power in our services with all kinds of entertainment. We've got a big gospel show going on on Sunday morning and devils are not trembling. And people are not coming to Jesus. And miracles are not occurring. They should be the common place where believers are come together. For where two or more gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And if two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask. Why is he in the midst? Why is he in the midst? To give us liver shivers? To give us a tingling sensation? There are churches that don't even have that anymore. Reminds me of the church that had a name that liveth, but they were dead. Jesus talked of the highest religious structured people of his day and said, you, you, your, your whited sepulchers, you clean up the outside, you whitewash the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. The choir better sing good to entertain you because you're not going to have a God encounter. And I found out something about soloist singers and choirs and people. I remember one Easter, I was watching the morning service of a church. Easter service, my wife and I. And they were singing some great resurrection celebratory song. And this was a Pentecostal-based church. And they're standing as if, uh, 
as if they were mannequins, cardboard cutouts, singing something that wasn't reflected in anything but just a stiff. And I thought, really? Seriously? But down on the end, there was a lady that attended our church for over 20 years. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. She got something out of those 20 years. She found out there's more to church than just standing and singing pitch-perfect songs. Amen. It's not horizontal. You're not singing to get the applause of the audience. Praise is vertical. It's for God. Can you say amen? And she was worshiping the Lord. And Pamela said, look. That's one of ours. Reminded me of the glorious story of angels in heaven on Monday morning. Monday. Church is over. We're back in that world. Monday. And and God is looking over the ramparts of heaven in and, and this story. And, and there's, a, there's a man on his way to work saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I just praise you. I thank you. I praise you. Hallelujah. Lord, you've been so good to me. I can't help but just praise you. I glorify your name. And it's Monday. I mean, to hear that on Sunday, you know, is one thing. But this is Monday. What is it? I owe. I oh, it's off to work I go. It's Monday. And he said, Who's his angel? Who's that guy's angel? And one of the angels stepped forward, had his chest sticking out, said, I'm his angel. I've been assigned to him. He said, Is he really yours? He said, Yeah, absolutely. He said, Well, angel, tell me something. Why is he singing like that? Angel said, because he loves you, Lord. He don't just do that on Sunday. He does that every day on his way to work and on his way home and in between when he gets a chance. He said, well, angel, what does he want? And the angel said, he don't want nothing. He's praising you for all he has from you. And God says, well, tell me, angel, what does he need? If you want God to meet your need, you don't get it by whining or accusing Him of unfaithfulness. Can you say, man, or griping or complaining? You get it by praising Him for Jesus. Because all things are yours. Can you say, man? I'm looking at people that are rich beyond your wildest dreams. Can you say, man? I'm not talking about in escalades and, and uh, you know. I'm looking at rich people here. You know, sometime we need to turn off the news. We need to quit seeing what Trump is tweeting. Pray for those in authority, particularly now. Amen. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle, victory will be mine. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I've been a pastor. I'm getting ready to celebrate 45 years soon. Forty-five years of preaching and pastoring and evangelist slash evangelist. And I have seen the church come alive. And I've seen the church, the embers,
begin to die out. I've seen a love for the word that brought people from different denominations that are non-Pentecostal to come to our church and sit in our audience on a Wednesday night. Because they heard something that they knew they needed. I saw in Merritt Island, I saw Catholic nuns in their habits come in. Sit down and fill up an entire row just to hear about the Holy Spirit. To hear that there's more to church than just going through all of the programs and pronouncements and paraphernalia of church. Amen. You know what? The less manifest presence of God, the more subsidies are added to try to keep people interested and keep them coming. But you let a real fire of the Holy Spirit break out, people will come from miles away. They had a revival for a little while before the leader of it failed morally and and shipwrecked it but they had a revival how do you know it was a revival because a lady i worked with came in she said she said rev my sister went to a revival meeting in lakeland and she had an ailment told me what it was incurable had it for years and she was gloriously healed last night no more symptoms no more pain nothing she was healed miraculously And people heard of that revival. And they came from as far away as Jerusalem. It's amazing that people would come from the holiest city in the world geographically to a little church, to a big church, medium church, but a church in Lakeland to encounter the presence of God. Because living in that holy city without God's presence is not going to change anything. But the presence of God anywhere you encounter Him will change everything. Can you say, man? I've seen people get joy for a little while. Paul said, you ran good for a while. You really, out of the gate, looked like you were going to run this race with the persistence that God has called you to. You ran good for a while. And then he asked the poignant, pointed question. What happened? What did hinder you? What sidetracked you? What slowed you down? And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. The first love began to die, and you didn't fan it into flame. Timothy was distracted because he was discouraged. He was anointed, hands laid on him. Faith was dwelling in him, but he wasn't carrying out the heavenly vision because of discouragement. A man of God, anointed of God, appointed of God, but useless to God and others. He had decided, I'm not going to preach anymore. He wasn't the first. Jeremiah, major prophet of the Old Testament, preached a lifetime, didn't have one conversion. Got so fed up, he said, I wish I had a house. So far, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's in the Bible. So far out in the woods that you couldn't find it with the satellite thingy. What's the name of that? Yeah, GPS. Said the only way you could find my house if you got lost in the woods and stumbled upon it. I'm going to get so far from humanity, so far from people. Pastor said the other day at a pastor's meeting, he said, he said, pastoring would be a great job if it wasn't for the people. And you've been a pastor. Don't forget there's people all around you. Big people sitting right behind you. 
Sheep are passive, but they can bite. Can you say amen? When you lose the joy of your salvation. That's why David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, my deliverance. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I don't encounter the presence of God, I hadn't been to church. I don't care how cloistered the choir is. I don't care how great they sing. I don't care if the pastor's got so many degrees, they call him Dr. Fahrenheit. It doesn't matter to me. If I don't encounter the presence of God, I haven't been to church. Because I'm used to God showing up. I don't... Listen... When you've got a choir of 150 and only one of them worshiping during the worship service. When you've got a pastor sitting there looking like he's baptized in pickle juice. Amen. While the choir is singing. That he don't even worship. And then you've got people out there watching this whole thing go down and they're not worshiping. There's no one to lead them in worship. man went to a church in... Atlanta, they bought this big theater that had went out of business. They filled it up with 1,500 people. They came to worship God and hear the Word of God. They were hungry, and they hired a worship leader, and he was so nervous. He went out, and he looked at all those faces. And by the way, there's something about looking to see how people are responding that can really mess you up. I'm looking at you, but I'm not paying much attention to you. Unless this guy stands up, and then I had to call my posse. Well, <laughs> he could bench press a Buick. I'm not going to mess with him. And Terry, Terry said, I ain't your posse. He's nervous. He looks out at this sea of faces, and no one's even smiling. He's got to... Ev- you know, try to be a worship leader. And the pastor's watching him. Poor fellow's sweating. And he tries to sing, and he's singing to get a response from the congregation, and they're not responding because he's not worshiping. He's singing to them instead of him. And worship is not for them. Worship is exclusive. It's for him. Can you say man? And he desires us to worship him in spirit and in Truth, it has to be authentic or it's meaningless no matter how good it looks on the outside. You've been to churches like that. It's wonderful, Brother Venable. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, they sing like this. Oh, you should have heard. Oh, you should have seen. Honey, if God don't show up, there's nothing there for me because I don't go to be entertained. I go to have an encounter with the risen Savior and the living God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We're not preaching a dead religious system like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We're preaching a risen Savior. Hallelujah. That you can encounter Him. You can come to know Him. And He's a peace granter and He's a joy giver. And the joy of the Lord is your strength to overcome. And when you lose it, you're vulnerable to the devil. You're vulnerable to... A malady that is affecting some of the most blessed people materially in all of the world. Americans. Depression. 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 People are drinking because they're depressed. My son drank because of depression. He didn't drink just to have a good time at a party. He wasn't a party guy. 
But he was oppressed of the devil and he was depressed in his life. He didn't find the pearl of great price until full circle almost coming to the end. But when he did, how he rejoiced in his king and in his God. He finally found what he was looking for. And he couldn't find in his alcoholic addiction. Friend of mine, I want you to know we have the answer. We have the answer. But we can't just tell people what the answer is. We have to show them. I want to be like that guy on the way to work. I used to drive to work praising God, sit in the parking lot till almost clock-in time if, while I'm worshiping the Lord and then walk into the job. And I remember walking in. I don't even know what I... I know I wasn't whistling purposely a Christian hymn, but it was Monday morning. And most people are hungover that went out and partied and some are guilty because they did things they hoped their wife didn't find out. And they're all looking like it. I thought, boy, here's, here's, look at the party crowd. Headache, heartache, heartbreak. And I thought, Lord, I just thank you. Because I could have been part of that crowd still. But something changed in my life. I had an encounter with the resurrected Savior. Hallelujah. And it changed everything. And I went in saying, went in just, just whistling, just happy. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm great. I'm good. We had a great service Sunday. I didn't tell them that, but I was just still feeling the residue of that mighty Sunday service. And I was whistling, and there's a locker full of people changing shifts and getting on our uniform for the next shift. Oh, by the way, I've been bivocational for 12 years, so I know what it's like to go out into the workplace in a different kind of environment. And I know what it is to serve God in it and be a witness to it. Hallelujah. And, and the Bible said, let others speak well of you. So I appreciated this. I really appreciated this. Someone said, who is that whistling over there? Because see, it's Monday. Nobody's feeling good. Why is somebody happy on Monday? Who is that over there whistling? I didn't even answer. The answer came from someone else on the other side, way down at the end of the locker room that said, that must be the Rev over there. He's got that deep peace within. And I thought, Lord, I wouldn't trade the deep peace within peace with you and peace of mind hallelujah the peace of knowing that god is with me and god is for me hallelujah i wouldn't trade it for that party that went on last night and all of the sinful sensations that the flesh can indulge in and believe me I, how many were lost before you got saved the bible said of moses don't, don't tell me sinners don't have fun. They don't have joy. They don't have peace. They don't have presence. They don't have power. But their flesh has fun. The Bible said that Moses, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
That means he was in line to inherit the richest kingdom in the world at that time was Egypt. The mightiest, most powerful, and richest was Egypt. Son of Pharaoh's daughter was in line to inherit that kingdom. But he chose. Everybody say he chose. See, you're going to have to make a choice when you leave here. And it's going to lead you to peace. Or it's going to lead you to frustration and anxiety and depression. It's going to lead you to joy. Or it's going to lead you to destruction. But you are going to choose when you walk out of this room. Your mama not going to have anything to do with it. Your daddy not going to, Your preacher's not going to have anything to do with it. You're going to choose. You're going to choose darkness or light. You're going to choose to serve one master or the other. Because you can't serve them both simultaneously. Can you say amen? You can't eat at God's table and the table of the devil. You can't do it. You can't straddle the fence and just keep your foot in the door. I can tell people that come to church just when it becomes convenient to them or when they're in some desperate need, but they don't come consistently to seek and worship the true and the living God. They never have consistent peace. They never have any continuity of joy. They may get a touch on a Sunday morning because of God's presence here, but it's not sustained in their life. We used to sing that old secular song at the mango drive-in waiting on the bus to come we'd push it and it was called mr in between burl ives sang it and it said mr in between makes a feller mean and the most bad news people you'll ever meet is people that know there's a better way and they've chosen the wrong way And they are unhappy in sin because they're out of their element if they've come to Christ. And they're unhappy in church because they just came out of the wrong element and now they're convicted because of it. Amen. Peer pressure is going to come and it doesn't just come to young people. This is not just a young person's message. It'll come to you on the job. There's pressure always to compromise. There's pressure to make concessions. But God is calling you. Listen, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. When you receive that fullness, you don't have to look for it somewhere else. In His presence, you might not have the presence of those friends you think you can't do without. I found out I had to stand alone for Jesus on the job. Amen. I wasn't trying to be accepted by the world. The Bible said if the world embraces you, you don't have anything to praise God for at all. Because the world loves its own. Can you say man? But marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. If you're being persecuted because of your faith, the Bible said that's a badge of honor. You ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I glorify you. When they cast your name out as evil and speak all manner of evil about you for my name's sake, what's the Bible say to do? Rejoice and how kind of glad? Exceedingly glad. Most people don't get it. If somebody bugs you at work, you lose your joy. You come to church without a praise for God because somebody called you Holy Joe. They call me everything in the book. Everything in the world. 
I've been lied on, spied on, everything you can imagine. I've had my, my phone, I've been, my life has been threatened. We had a Satanist on our job, and he had a big bumper sticker on the back of his car that said, Lord, deliver me from your children. <laughs> He was one of those goth guys, had the black car and black fingernails and black eyeliner and practitioner of the black arts. And, and I used to love to pull right in beside him. And I used to love to make eye contact with him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't been where I have been. But He delivered me. He set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. Can you, I'm glory bound my Jesus to see for glory to God. He set me free. Nobody can sing it like a soul set free. Can you say man? Hallelujah. If all you have is religion and you've never come into a relationship, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But if you've come to know the risen Savior, if your life has been changed by Him, you can sing, He set me free. He set me free. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to be accepted by my peers. I'd like them to know my Savior and my Sovereign. And why I have joy. And why I have peace. Has my joy been interrupted? You bet. But I can't do without it. I can't get the poor old me's. I can't get the mully grubs. I can't murmur and complain. Because if I do, I invite more depression into my life. I can't stay in the hole. I fall in it, but He helps me out. Listen carefully. This is so important today. Jesus came to be all of those titles, the embodiment of all of His titles. And the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. Most Bible scholars render that without the first comma. He's not just wonderful in His humanity and divinity blended into one perfectly. He is the wonderful counselor. What did He say to the church of Laodicea? You make me sick. I want to throw up at what it's become. I counsel you. I counsel you. I count Laodicea. I counsel you. Buy of me gold tried in the fire, anoint thine eyes with thy salve. I count as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. If you'll receive my counsel, it'll change everything. It'll bring you back into a right relationship with me. You'll have the true riches. Hallelujah. Not just the silver and gold of the material world, but those unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. That can't be bought with all the silver, all of the... You can't buy peace at any price. There's not enough money in the world to give you peace. But the Prince of Peace offers it to you as a free gift. I give it unto you. It's offered to us today. And so many Christians don't have it. They just don't have it. So they can't reflect it. So we're trying to advertise something that we do not reflect because we don't possess it consistently enough for anybody to notice the difference. And God wants you to be noticed.
so he can be noticed in you and in me. He wants us to be cleansed and set apart unto him. Hallelujah. The theme of this Christmas has been Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. And here's the faith building part of all of that. You know, I can't even get into teaching faith in this Christmas message without calling for commitment to follow Christ devotedly. And you know why I can't just go straight to the faith building part of this? Is because there's so much defeat in so many Christian lives. There's so little joy in so many people. There's so little peace because the storms overwhelm, overrule, override the gifts of God within us. That's why we have to double down on our focus. We have to be doubly focused on Jesus. The world won't relent. As we go forward, the culture will become more and more influential to every single family in the 21st century. And going to church in and of itself without devoting to follow Jesus Christ will not keep you on track. I don't care if you're sitting with, we had a, our, our bug man. Anybody got a bug man that, not real antenna or anything, but the guy that sprays your house if he comes. We have a bug man that comes to our house. He's in his mid-twenties, married to a beautiful wife. They just had a beautiful child. There's a church, Pentecostal church, background church in our city that has grown from about 150 to about 1,000. He was the sound person. And for all of the youth services as he was growing up in that church, and he saw their youth go from 30 to 300. And you know what soured him? Because they were so number conscious, if we can just entertain them, if we can just get them to come, we can count their heads and call it revival. We got 300 youth. We're having a revival among the young people. And he said, I would watch. He said, when the contemporary singers would come and sing, they were highly entertained by that. And they, they put down their iPhones and their iPads and, and they watched as people sang to them. He said, but the moment someone stepped behind the microphone and opened the Word of God, that was it. He said, I, from my vantage point in the sound room, I could see the iPhones come out. The whispering to one another, no reverence for the Word, no reverence for God. So there's no manifest presence of God. Where He is not reverenced, He's not coming. He comes on a bush talks to the first person through an angel. His presence is on a bush. The bush is on fire, but it's not burned up. It's the glory of God, the attending the presence of God. What does he tell Moses? 
what does he tell Moses? Moses is just standing there with his jaw dropped. What does he tell him? You've got to do, you've got to do something to show reverence. Take off your shoes. For you are not standing on terra firma. Just plain old earth and sand and clay. You're, because of my presence being manifest, you're standing on holy ground. When God comes on the top of the mountain, what happens? The whole mountain becomes sanctified. He said, he said come on, the, play, the thing is shaking. The fire of God and smoke is on the top. They're begging Moses to go up and talk with him because it's a fearful thing. Amen. The manifest presence of God, there has to be a reverence for it or it's not going to come. Can you say amen? We're in the most irreverent generation of preachers and Christians that we could ever be in in the history of the church. Can you say man? Holy Bible doesn't mean put down your cell phone. I don't mean look at the scriptures. I'm just talking about give reverence when it's read. Holy Ghost don't mean anything anymore. Nothing that, that speaks of the holy and the reverence required to honor and requisitely react to the presence of God. Jesus said, I'm in the midst of you. And he said, I saw the irreverence. I saw that it meant nothing. And I knew that, that, that 300 people were going to walk out of that door and not follow Jesus. Because they don't have any reverence for him. Any love toward him. And he said, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I wasn't going to fake it anymore. And I thought, thank God. Thank God that we're not satisfied with what is called church without a reverence for God, without a response to the Holy Spirit. And now he's seeking. He's seeking not just a church with the best entertainment and programs. He's seeking, where can I have an encounter with the God that saved me? The God that delivered me from drugs. The God that captured my heart. The God that granted the peace that I could never find through sin. I want to worship that God in spirit and in truth. I want to love that God. I want to serve that God. Hallelujah. Because He's worthy. And all of the number count and all of the programs and all of the paraphernalia didn't satisfy him anymore. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is calling a people from a people. Make no mistake about it. Deep is calling to deep. The Spirit of God is calling to your spirit within you to come into my presence. Hallelujah. Experience my peace, my power, and my joy in your life. Learn to sing the songs of Zion, the songs of victory. <laughs> Don't hang your harp upon the willow tree. You're not children of Babylon. You're children of Israel. Can you say, man, you have a covenant with Almighty God that says, return unto me. I don't care what you did to cause that pain and, and this captivity. I care, but I, right now that's not what's important. What's important is what are you going to do about it? Are you ready to come back to me? If you're ready to come back to me, I stand ready to come to you. Hallelujah. Reestablish the covenant.
Rebuild those cities that have been burned down and restore your fortunes. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, don't, don't patty cake. Either don't or do it. But if you're going to do it, do it heartily. As unto the Lord. We're in an opiate addicted culture. We've tried synthetics. We've tried all of the counsel of men. But the wonderful counselor still stands and says, come unto me. His counsel to everyone under that burden today is come unto me. Come unto me. You that labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in spirit. In other words, let this mind be in you that allows God to lead me so I can lead you. Because I'll lead you in a path of righteousness for my name's sake. I'll lead you beside still water. You know what I found out about sheep? They won't drink from a swiftly running stream. Even though they're dying of thirst. You know why? Because before they are shorn of their wool, when they bent down to get the water, it would soak into the wool. And they would fall forward and drown in the stream. He said, Lord, do what a good shepherd always does. Amen. Dig a little trough from that stream to let the water pool over here. So I don't have to be filled with fear and anxiety that I can slack this thirst with peace. That's talking about peace. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. If he can lead you, he can lead you beside what kind of water? Let me tell you something about the wicked. They can't get it in a bottle. They can't get it in a pill. They can't get it. But it's available to you and me. The wicked are like the troubled sea. The scripture said, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. That means the storm on top of the water is so strong, it's even affecting the floor of the ocean. And the waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. Oh, but look at those who bow to God. And believe God. Hallelujah. Great peace have they who love thy law. Hallelujah. D- David David found it after he had sinned and lost his peace. And I got to hurry. Which means nothing except I got to hurry. Hallelujah. Amen. And when you listen. Listen. David lost it when he sinned and didn't repent of his sin. If you're here today and you know there's sin in your life and you don't repent of it, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you walk out. You're going to hear those songs about joy. You're going to hear about the Prince of Peace. But it's not going to occur in your heart, your mind, or your life. It will not happen. Amen. They're going to drink themselves numb tonight because they don't have what we're supposed to have in abundance. And that's peace and joy. Fulfillment. David said, when I held my peace, Psalm 32, when I held my peace, my bones, you can see the storm within, my bones waxed old with roaring, 
see the roaring sea, the storm is on in his mind, in his heart. He sinned against God. He sinned against one of his most loyal soldiers. He sinned a great sin. And he hasn't confessed it before God. And the king, with all the pleasures of sin, can't find peace anywhere and in anything. Moses, when he became of age to become the heir to the greatest and richest nation in the world, chose not to become an heir of that nation, but to identify with his brethren who knew God. Amen. He had to make a choice and said when he came of age to receive all of that, he chose to suffer affliction. To lay down his royal robes in Egypt and put on the slave clothes and work in the brick pits alongside of his brethren. Rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. He said, I'm going to tell you something about sin. It'll give you pleasure for a little while, but it won't last. And I know there's a God in Israel. There's a God who we have to reckon with and we have to answer to. And I would rather identify with the covenant children of God, even if they're slaves in Egypt, than to enjoy the pleasures, amen, that the world can grant unto me in my flesh. Hallelujah. No wonder God chose him to lead him out of Egypt because he had already led him out of Egypt. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to be a Christian leader, it's going to start with you, old hoss. It's not going to start with you preaching to them. It's going to start with you devoting to him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's not about your anointing. It's about your devotion to Jesus. I demand more than an anointed speaker on Sunday morning. I want to see somebody follow Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't talk to me if you're not following him. And I don't want to lose what he bought and paid for with his precious blood. This piece belongs to us. It's our heritage. It's, our, it's His legacy to us. Not as the world gives. Give I thee. Hallelujah. This Christmas, I pray you will find it. If you don't know Jesus today, I pray you will find Him. That you will come to know Him as your Lord and your personal Savior. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to make it through the Christmas season. My son was 53. History of alcoholism. Finally, God set free. Grew up in church. Played in our Christian band. Went out and played in a Christian band that went witnessing down on Clearwater Beach. Applauded for his guitar ability because he never had a lesson. It was a gift from God to be used for God. He chose to do something else. Had close encounters with death. Twice we had him in the hospital for 
alcohol poisoning. One Christmas, he went to the hospital almost dead. Refused to receive any kind of rehabilitation. Refused any kind of help offered. Had setbacks when he tried to get set free, but I would encourage him. I said, son, it's a setback. That don't mean you have to go back. Can you say, man, you can get up. God will help you up and you can go on. Hallelujah. His grace is amazing. His mercy is new every morning. Hallelujah. And when he finally got set free for the few weeks before he went to be with the Lord, his body's now beginning to fail. Oh, by the way, they said in the hospital a few months earlier that his liver was dead. It was not functioning. We interceded. We had people here intercede. And guess what? The dead liver came alive. And everything became fine with his liver. Thank God, amen, that God got the last word and the final victory. But there were other issues in his body that had nothing to do with that part of his life. But had to do with two light strokes interrupting the pathway. Interrupting the pathway from the brain to the body. And it affected him in such a way. He said, Dad, if I could just go to sleep and wake up in heaven. It wasn't... Where does that peace come from? Where does that kind of peace come from? It comes from me, the Prince of Peace. But it comes only from me. The world doesn't have it to give. But I do, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And my son said, Dad, if I beat you to heaven, and I told him, I said, son, you let God take care of all of that. I, you know, I kept talking to him about healing. He said, dad, if God heals me, it'll be a win. I will have all my faculties back and, and I can function in life again. But if God chooses to take me home, it'll be a win. He said, dad, either way, it'll be a win, win for me. That's peace. You talk about evidence of salvation. When that peace came and the devil got disarmed because he wanted to just kill his liver and take him in a slow, agonizing way. No, no. God healed his liver and, and just let him go to sleep. Dad, if I could go to sleep like granddad who went to sleep and went home. It'll be a win. Don't worry about me. If you don't have that peace right now, amen, you need to get closer to God or you need to come to God. He can grant it to you. And my son had it. What a joy it was to talk with him 
about heaven. He quit talking about earth. He started talking about heaven every day. And he quit calling heaven, heaven, Sean. When we, Jason found out my son went home, he cried like a baby because it was kind of a grow-up thing. He looked up to my son in church all the way through Sunday school because he could play the guitar like Van Halen, like anybody. Listen, that peace identified him. The world don't have it. It should set us apart from this old world right now. God wants to set us apart with peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know. I don't know what's coming. That could cause consternation. But I know who's coming, and that brings me peace and joyous anticipation. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but I know what's going to happen when I'm not here. Can you say man? And that gives me peace. And that makes me celebrate the Lord, David, right down at this part of my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, October the 1st, coming home from church, fire trucks, police cars, more than just a little problem. Walk into a bedroom and it's my son. He's in bed on a pillow, asleep. Told my grandson, I'm going to go in and lay down and take me a nap. And he laid down and went home in his sleep. Hallelujah. And woke up in heaven, Terry. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm never more proud to be a preacher of this good news. That you can know this Savior. That you can have this peace, this consolation. Because no one and nothing in the world can give you that but Jesus. It's more precious than your peers, more precious than all the world could offer. Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world. He says, in my power to give you all of these riches, if you'll just worship me. And Jesus wouldn't take it because he knew the kingdoms of this world are short-lived. They're going to fall, but the kingdom of God is eternal. And it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Because the King is coming soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, Brother Vimble, you didn't talk about the manger and the wise men. And you didn't talk about... No, I didn't talk about that. Amen. Because this is more than a holiday. This is a holy day and God is calling. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is a holy time. Somebody said you ought to change your name to, to something family worship center instead of the holy church of God. That's going to make people shy away. Well, you ought to know what you're getting into before you come in. If holiness is a problem, don't even come in the door. Can you say, man, hallelujah. If you don't want to live for God, you, you don't belong here. Can you say, man, I'm going to be casting my pearl before swine. Amen. Uh, a hog can't appreciate the kingdom of God. Oh, but those that have found it, <laughs> found the pearl of great price. And they sell out. To possess it. They said there's nothing in this world that is worth more. There's no one in this world that is worth more than this pearl of great price. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good today. Will you stand to your feet? And let's get ready for Christmas Day. 
I'm going to ask a question before we rejoice in here. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you would like to know Him, I want to give you a wonderful opportunity to come to know Him. But you have to make a choice. So many people have told me that I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to be like a lot of people I know. I'm not going to go to church if, I'm not, if I feel I can't really live the life. Here's the deal. You can't in and of yourself live the life. There's a scripture in John's gospel that said, As many as received him, just like you are, right where you are, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. This is a forensic term. It means that you can be adopted into God's family and God will call you one of his own and you will qualify for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power that you don't possess after he has come upon you. But he won't violate your will. But as many as received him, everybody that came to him by faith gave he the power. Can you say man? So come just like you are. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come. Is there anyone here? Anyone before we change the order of the service? You want to receive Christ as your Savior. You want to receive Jesus as your Savior. Second question, how many people in this coming year want to follow Him more closely? You want that to be more than a New Year's resolution. You want that kind of devotion to be developed in your heart and in your life. Let's let it begin with a Christmas that is filled with Jesus Christ. My wife and I talked about the magic. You know, you, at some point you're trying to recapture the hallmark Syrupy, sweet, beautiful perfections of Christmas. Number one, it's not going to snow here in Florida. You can put the sleigh up. Can you say, man? That turkey in the advertisement that is perfectly brown, perfectly brown, succulent, juicy, and tender, that's not going to be your turkey. If it is, I'm coming to your house, <laughs> amen, for dinner. It may not be brown like that, but it'd be good like that. Maybe brown like that and be dry on the inside. I don't know. You may be frying your turkey. I don't know. You may be baking it, broiling. But it's not about the turkey. That's a, that's a side thing. That's a side dish. The real meal is Jesus. Hallelujah. In a holy communion with Him. And I want that more than I want anything that the world could possibly offer or give this Christmas season. And I have made a devotion of my heart. After all of these years preaching, God has called me to make a fresh, brand new devotion to Him. Whatever's left of my life, Brother Taylor. I told him, I said, I'm, I'm my son's father. I've got a remaining son. I am his daddy. He can call me his daddy. I am his daddy. I'm my wife's husband. I belong to her. Amen. It's not the ring that makes it happen or the paper. It's the commitment 
to Christ together. I belong to my wife. I'm her husband. But Lord, before I'm her husband or his daddy, I'm your son and your servant. Hallelujah. And when Jesus took on himself the form of a servant, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, became our sacrifice lamb. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you so much today. Hallelujah. You see all these hands that went up to devote to you? This is what you're calling a people from a people for a holy purpose. Hallelujah. To show the world the worth of our sovereign and our Savior. The peace that He gives. The joy that is ours in Him. Let us be representatives of that glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. Where there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Now, this is, this is what you do to pump water back in the old days. But you don't start pumping till you prime the pump. You've got to put some water in to get water out. Amen? And the Holy Ghost, <laughs> hallelujah, He would love to just pour it out. And what happens when that happens? With joy, you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right. Let's try that. Amen. Y'all are actually doing it. I wasn't going to look up. Thank God. Let's give him praise today. Are you glad you came to church? Hallelujah. You want to share Jesus with everybody you can. Amen. Praise God. Jesus was born king. He didn't become king. He was king the day he was born. He was king of angels before he came. He's going to continue to be king of kings and lord of lords throughout all eternity. And down in Africa, they worship him as the mighty king of glory. Can you say amen? Let's give him praise today. Mm. This is the time that thy people shall rejoice and give praise unto thee. Yes. And thank thee for the joy and the peace that I have given you, saith the Lord. For this new year, I'm going to do great and mighty works in this church, saith the Lord. I'm going to use uh, this servant that I have called. He is going to prophesy. He's going to minister. He is going to do what I have called him to do in this last days of the prophet of God, saith the 